Welcome to the Champions of Change podcast from Capital One. My name is Sonia Barlow. I'm an award-winning diversity business coach, motivational speaker, and founder of LMF Network. And in this series, I'll be chatting with the engineers, managers, and directors who are redefining what it means to be a woman in tech. Today's episode is about recognizing the crucial role mentors play in and for women in tech, their career journeys, and within their progression. I'm joined by Rachel Hover, the tech director at Capital One, Ibir Kiani, software engineer, Stacey Nutbrown, software engineer, and also Brooke Clear, who is a software engineer at Capital One. Thank you so much for taking part. Through the LMF network, I personally have been able to create the largest mentoring program in the UK with over 600 people across six months of learning around digital skills, how to get into tech, and also how to transition into various tech roles. Despite my interest and personal invested interest in mentoring, we found through our research that 50% of women feel that they need a mentor versus only 5% of men. I know that at the start of my career in technology, when I told my friends, especially my male friends around me, that I have a mentor, they kind of laughed at me and said, why do you need one? So my question and my first question to everyone here is, what is your experience with mentoring? Do you think it's fundamental to progressing in technology or do you think we don't necessarily need one and we can do without? Rachel, may I ask you to kick off? You can. Thank you, Sonia. Um, so I, I've both been mentored by um, men and women. I've been a, ment- uh, a mentor myself um, to both men and women. And I think it's a fundamental part of your growth and development, um, especially when it comes to being in tech and giving you the confidence that you need um, just really to run past, you know, some of the things where there may be, you know, you may not believe in yourself as much as you can. Um, and you tend to find that the women I talk to, a lot of the conversations um, come around, you know, believing that you can be where you want to be. Um, and certainly as a mentor, I've been able to share some of the stories, both good and bad, um, of experiences I've had both, you know, both pre and and post being in tech um, and, you know, people that I've learned from um, across the years. And and a lot of the time when it comes to mentoring, um, it really is about being clear um, about what you're looking to get out of it and being open and honest with your mentor. Um, You know, I've learned both from uh, my own personal experience about being prepared to share how you're feeling um, and, you know, understanding the questions that you're looking to answer and really being open about what you're looking to get from the relationship has been super helpful. Um, And some of the insightful advice I've been given over the years has really helped me in shaping the mentor that I am um, in in being able to share those um, thoughts and views with others. Thank you so much. Ibir, what about yourself? What roles have mentors play in helping you progress into your tech career? And my second question is, how did you go about even finding those mentors to begin with? Um, For me, like, it was very much being the opportunity. Um, So I found that I didn't really need a formal mentorship program in order to kind of approach people. And for me, um, approaching people just had to be a case of stepping out of your comfort zone to kind of ask and um if there's somebody in specifically who uh, you see who's doing a great job at what they what they do in tech, uh, definitely be um, don't be shy and uh, ask for um, ask for help, ask for um, advice and guidance, and um, and yeah, uh, definitely be strategic as well in in what you ask. Be clear on what you want to learn, 
and areas that you want to succeed in. May I ask, have you only had mentors that identify as women or have you also had mentors who identify as men? And if so, what are some of the differences that you found? So um, at the start of my career in tech, I had a mentor who was a male. Um, So uh, it was actually, I was in a position where my... uh, my line manager was actually going on maternity leave. And so the next person in, in the team um, was was uh, taken up by the specific person who would be mentoring me at that particular time. Um, and I found that uh, we were definitely in a, in a relationship where we would be able to learn from each other. Um, so I was able to be in that position to learn from someone who was in a higher sort of leadership role. Um, And we do live in um, a kind of situation where uh, men do have uh, more power roles in in the tech community. So um, I was able to kind of learn from that. um, But also the male mentor that I had, uh, they were also able to learn from me. Um, So I was able to give them a new perspective because they were able to see their own um, colleagues differently and department differently. The situation that I was in, I was the only woman in the engineer um, engineering team of six and seven uh, male engineers. So um, I think I was able to uh, offer a new perspective and also um, offer a wider network and sort of improve communication skills in the team as well. Um, so so it was definitely a give and take kind of um, a relationship with, it, with myself and my mentor. Um, I think the difference between uh, male uh, mentors and female mentors are that female mentors are almost like uh, a mirror. So you would able to um, see the confidence and vision that you see in yourself in uh, in the workplace in the future. Whereas male mentors are more like a window. So you're able to see a view of um, a wider view of, of where um, you could, you could definitely be as well. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. I've never heard someone compare it to a mirror or window, but I definitely think that's a very Instagrammable quote, which we're all going to take forward. So thank you so much. Brooke, do you think it's important to start mentoring young? And what I mean by that is the recent PwC report tells us that at the age of eight is when girls start thinking that they cannot go into certain STEM careers. And it's around the age of 13 where you start demotivating yourself and pigeonholing yourself to think do you know what I can't do this because that's a boy's role and I'm going to do this because that's more of a girl's role so the question being how can we educate how can we encourage girls into STEM into tech before they have to enter that world of work and before they even take that leap into the industry themselves because they have a degree and to your point they have to just go for the role? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think based on like my experiences back at school, I feel like it would it comes down quite heavily to the teachers. Um because I think this is this is true around a lot of things. Like you need to have supportive and encouraging teachers. And students pick up on on the teachers like unconscious biases or even conscious biases when it comes to teaching, you know, in a science class, if you know, are they 
when a stu- when a, if student has raised their hands, are the teachers picking more on the males or the females, or are they doing both? And you pick up really early on on those little unconscious details. So it it starts it starts I think with the teachers and the schools, um, but also with role models. Like I remember at school, you know, we did a few brief introductions to like computer science, and this was an all girls school, and we have a really heavy like STEM focus, but not many of us were picking up on the computer science side of things. And one thing that, like, when I'm thinking about mentors that really sticks out to me is that when we have the role models on, like, the class posters and everything, they are old. Like, we're talking, like, Ada Lovelace and, um, like, Hedel Lamar, who's, like, awesome, but they're not recent. And when you think of, like, if you're thinking about, like, a mailing tech, how many come to mind? Like, tens. You've got Bill Gates, you've got Steve Jobs, you've got Mark Zuckerberg, you've got Elon Musk. And if I scratch my head, like, who have we got as a female or a BAME, like, equivalent, I really struggle to think of things. So I, I think there are so many angles that we can come in at it at, but it's just getting it visible and getting that support out there to people at a younger age. Yeah. Something you've touched on very briefly and subtly is the role that social media can also therefore play in encouraging women into tech, girls into tech, the others into tech, because... If anything, we're talking about those who professionally want to enter the world or transition into the world of technology. You know, the, the the research tells us that on average, we spend about three hours on our phone a day and or on social media platforms. So all the information that we're consuming is obviously making unconsciously and consciously impacting the choices in which we are making. So Brooke, I'd love to ask you, what is some of the best or worst advice that you've been given when it comes to developing your tech career? And furthermore, what advice would you now give to your younger self or to students today in return? Thanks, Sonia. So I guess I come in at a slightly different perspective because I've only been in tech for less than a year. You know, I've only just recently graduated from university. So when it comes to getting career advice from mentors, I'd say that I haven't either haven't paid attention or nothing's just stuck with me because I'm not yet in that mindset. I'm still in the mindset of just trying to get a foundation in the company and just develop my technical skills at the moment. Um, But I do have some advice that as a university student, I would have, well, looking back at me as a university student, I would give myself, um, which would be to not let my degree dictate the choices that I made in terms of the careers that I was looking at. So for me, I didn't always enjoy my university degree and I didn't really see it as a career that I wanted to pursue, but because it was something that I'd spent, you know, four years working towards and developing and gaining all this knowledge, it just seemed like such a waste to throw it all away. So when I was starting, like, looking for jobs, you know, I I tried to put a focus on looking in, like, science and research roles, and it, you know, nothing was sticking. Um, At the same time, like, you know, I had a friend who I would consider one of my first mentors who was a computer scientist, and, you know, she did definitely prompt me to say, you know, give me a boot in the right direction. Like, have you looked at this? Have you even considered that? And that for me um, was not something I, I had considered. So yeah, my advice is don't let your degree di- dictate your choices and don't be afraid to go in a different direction. And as a grad or as a young person, like there are so many opportunities out there for us. There are a multitude of grad schemes and employers looking for like less technical or non-STEM students who are willing to train you for tech roles if you can show that passion and that interest in the area of tech that you really want to go into. Um, 
and even if you don't, there are a bunch of like online courses and boot camps that will get you started. Because uh, from what it seems to me is that it's a lot harder to make changes later in your career. Such great advice. And Brooke, may I ask, were you onboarded remotely and virtually then? And how was that experience for you, especially working for a company like Capital One, massive company, so much emphasis on tech and being a woman in tech, we already know the struggles um, that come with entering the tech world itself. I'm sure there's so many of our listeners who are either or who either have been onboarded virtually or are quite nervous about that experience. Do you have any tips or any advice that you can share? Yeah, it was it was hard for sure and definitely an adjustment. Um, I think for me, the biggest barrier that I found when joining remotely was really trying to get to know my tr- team and build a bond with my team. Because a lot of the time, I say a lot of the time, the team had known each other in person and had the in-office working relationships. And so I was coming in as, as an outsider joining virtually. So I didn't have the same personal connection to them. And it's really difficult to build those bonds when you don't have things like just being able to go and say, hey, do you want to grab a coffee and catch up? Um, So for me, I really had to push myself to set up these meetings and make a stake on someone's time and say, you know, I'm claiming that 10 minutes, I'm claiming that half an hour, we're just going to have a catch up and get to know each other. And that's been something um, that I've definitely pushed for keeping in the team I think as the first person in the team to join virtually no one you you don't really it doesn't really cross your mind that someone might not feel as confident in the team so I force like my team every sprint we have team fun time and I give it this cringy name but it's just us chatting catching and not talking about work for like an hour or two every sprint um but otherwise capital one I felt I have overall like really enjoyed onboarding onto the grad scheme because the grads have been so like welcoming and inviting. And one of the things that I particularly have found like incredibly helpful and, you know, one of the best bits for me about the joining was these regular morning meetups. So half an hour before work, between like half eight and nine in the morning, we just had these drop-in sessions for all the grads to, you know, pop in, say hi, talk to themselves. And it was awkward at first because you don't know each other. So you have all the sort of forced games and icebreakers. But over time, it's just naturally developed into just a casual chat and I'm eight months in and we're still chatting in the morning. And like a lot of people have dropped off because of other work commitments and they get busy, but it's still really nice to have those check that check in. And one of the big things about it is that I know people from the other offices, like my work friends in my cohort come from the Nottingham office and I would not have heard of them. Like I wouldn't know who they were if it wasn't remotely. If, yeah. If there weren't these virtual events. And so I'm actually I'm actually kind of quite grateful that I've got that extra chance to meet other grads. Stacey, what about yourself? What role do you think mentors play in bridging the gap between current and future female tech leaders? And do you have any career advice of your own that you'd love to share? Yes, in terms of bridging the gap, um, particularly if you're not from a tech background, one of the things that I kind of noticed uh, in my career is that Um, because there are, relatively speaking, so few women in tech, there's a lot less role models to to look up to. Um, So the the biggest thing that I've found in terms of mentorship, particularly female mentors specifically, is that idea of not feeling quite so alone. Um, You might be in a great team and you don't feel alone in terms of uh, socially speaking, 
but in terms of perhaps how it is in tech uh, very specifically you can sometimes feel like you don't quite fit um and i'm sure that that I'm sure there'll be a number of people who can kind of identify that for different reasons, but particularly, yeah, speaking as a female in tech, um, the mentorship that I have seen has really bridged that gap. So the bit where you go, uh, do I not fit or am I just a bit different to everyone else <laughs> because I happen to be female and the vast majority of my colleagues are male. Um, that's been a huge, huge thing for me because it's kind of validated that um, I am different. Um, fundamentally, I mean, we're all different, but um, I am different fundamentally and that there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It just happens to stand out quite a bit more if you're in tech. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing and for giving the experience. I have to admit, but I, I have this kind of love-hate relationship with the word mentor. So until I really started working in the diversity inclusion space, I used to consider mentorship as a confidant or a coach or a sponsor, just somebody who is there to guide you. But actually what I've realized over the last few years is the word mentor itself carries a number of negative connotations, especially for those... Um, women who may come from an ethnic minority or marginalized background or for entry-level hires. So a great example being that when I entered the world of work in around 2015, I was given a mentor because I wasn't quote unquote professional enough for the workplace. And now thinking about it, that really demotivated or damaged my confidence in that moment, right? I changed my personality. I tried to conform to the culture. I genuinely thought I was lesser than in many circumstances. And I think, well, I believe that the point I'm trying to make is we need to be coached as to why mentorship is important, what mentorship really means, and associate it with anyone and everyone who feels like they want to progress rather than associate mentorship with women in tech, if that makes sense. Rachel, as a tech director, you, I can only assume, manage tons of people in technology. You speak to clients, you look after teams. How do you think, in your opinion, that we can possibly overcome this obstacle? How do you think we can make it a fair and equitable space so that mentoring is for everyone, for males or for ethnic minorities or for those who may identify as the other and not just kind of spotlight it in females in tech, which I believe is something that we we do very often, but we don't really we don't really see it happening. Um, no, and I think, Sonia, you're absolutely right. And, and thank you for sharing your story, because I, you know, I can certainly um, relate to what you've said, because I think it's a you need to be fixed. So let's find you a friend. Um, a, a friend, a mentor, a coach, or whatever that may be. And um, I think it's a question of, so I do think there's some responsibility on um, people leaders to spend time with their, you know, with whoever it may be within their teams, um, both to learn from them and also to understand, you know, what help and support you actually need and be a bit more targeted. Um, and it's more about how do you help um, you know, how do you help and develop individuals in the way that they want to go? And also one thing I think that Stacey said earlier that resonated that's part of this is 
you know, it's making sure that, you know, when you're, um, it's as a mentor and as being mentored, it's okay to feel different and having that reassurance of being different. And, you know, I think we are, and certainly at Capital One, we encourage people to be different and we encourage people to be themselves. I don't always hear or see that from friends I talk about, talk to in the industry. I think the whole world is moving. I think it's moving in a really positive way, which is good news. Um, but I do think it's a, it is, it's how you talk about it and how actually having a mentor or a coach and I have a coach and I, um, you know, I spend a ton of time just talking to my coach. I'm sure it feels a little bit like therapy sometimes for her. Um, but without it, I didn't realize the power of it until I actually had it available to me. Um, and also I think it's really important, um, to think about how, you know, mentors don't necessarily need to be more senior, um, than you. I think that's the piece that we forget as well, which also then feels to your point, Sonia, a little bit more like, you know, to that heavy handed, you need to be whatever. Um, because some of the, I suppose, more informal mentoring and more powerful conversations that I've had more recently have been with sort of, um, you know, uh, people within, my wider team and wider within our tech teams in Capital One that have a completely different perspective to me. And it's really helped me open my eyes and see, you know, things from different, you know, more diverse viewpoints, whether that's from an ethnicity or for, you know, how people identify. I think it's really important to be able to do that. And I think as a, as a mentor um, and to call myself a mentor, um, I need to, I, I see myself being needing to be in the headspace that says, you know, spending time reassuring people that they should be, you shouldn't change yourself. You need to be yourself. It's a question of how you can continue to be your best self to get you to where you need to get to for the future. And sometimes that's a short, sharp mentoring relationship. Other times that can be a more, that can be a longer term thing, but it's also finding, um, and, um, you know, exploring sort of role models, which I think we are, we're still on a journey at Capital One to be able to do that, but helping people to aspire to be like individuals, um, because we we all lead by example. Whether we are whether we come, it comes with a title or whether it comes with an informal leadership, because we have a ton of those inspirational and informal leaders within our tech team here at Capital One, which is um, amazing to see, and how we encourage people to be confident, like the lovely ladies on this podcast, to share their stories. And to be, you know, to, to be able to do that, to share those experiences. Um, and that's one thing that we are continuing to encourage. Yeah, thank you so much. And the conversation so far has been so eye-opening, just listening to different perspectives and having the different experiences all, all come together. A bit, you made, obviously, I already mentioned, but you made a great comment about mirrors and windows. From your experience, therefore, of having mentors who identify as the other and who are different to you, do you feel or can you spotlight any skills that you feel like you've grown into or any new opportunities that you think you've gained as a as a consequence of your mentoring relationships? Yeah, for sure. So um, because I was mentored um, and I had a very positive mentoring experience, I was then able to mentor myself um, as an outcome. So I'm part of the uh, apprenticeship program here at Capital One where there are um, non-tech uh, people uh, working at Capital One who want to move into a tech role. Um, and the person that I'm mentoring at the moment um, is in a very different uh, place in her life to myself. So I'm in my 20s. Um, this person, she's actually in her late 30s and she has a family um, and she's 
learning uh, coding for the very first time. And uh, so I have the pleasure to kind of uh, have one-to-one sessions with her weekly and we go through different skills that she needs to kind of um, become a software engineer. Um, so I think anything that I've learned out of this experience has been that mentoring is not just beneficial for the person who is being mentored. It's actually for the uh, person mentoring as well. Um, It's definitely a two-way street and it actually makes me feel uh, more confident um, and gives me a more of a renewed energy because I'm able to uh, share what I know to to somebody to kind of um, help them in, in return. Yeah, thank you so much. So just to wrap up, the career advice that we have been given, give things a go, find or be the supportive person. Be conscious of how you invest your time. Every opportunity can be a learning opportunity. Use technology to educate yourself, share your stories, experience and tips, be bold and ask questions. I want to thank you, our guests, for coming on and being so vulnerable And so open in sharing your stories. I personally have learned so much and I can't wait for others to listen to this episode. That's a wrap on this week's episode. To find out more, visit jobs.capitalone.co.uk. 